Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into the word. But Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, that you are merciful. God, that you love me. I don't know how you would love me, Lord. I don't deserve your love, um, but you've chosen to love me, and I thank you for that. Thank you that you love us, that you're good to us, that you're kind. And we thank you for all the gifts that you've given us. Last week, we talked about your scripture and the fact that you allow us to pray to you. God, you've given us so much. Help us not to waste all the good that you've given us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to go through um, some scriptures. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 38 is where we're going to start. Book of Acts is the history, the story of the early church, the first Christians. And this is actually at the end of the first sermon that was ever recorded outside of Jesus. This is Peter's sermon. The, the day of Pentecost had come. The Spirit of God had come down strong. A crowd had gathered. Peter preached a wonderful sermon about looking forward to Christ and what Christ did for you and what Christ did for me. And then he closes it by that verse right there where he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent means change your direction. Put your eyes on the Lord from the things of the world to the things of the Lord. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that saves. That's the only name that saves. For the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Very first sermon closes out with this scripture about the fact that if you would repent, if you would turn your eyes up to Christ, and if you would be baptized, and repent is always tied to faith, and and then you would be given this gift it was a gift that Peter just received a few, um, a few uh, I guess, minutes before this sermon. And that the point I want to make is the Holy Spirit is a gift. You do not have to do anything to earn God's Spirit in your life. You can't do anything. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes and makes his home in your life. What could you pay for that? What could you do for God to give you that? You can't earn that. It's free. And it's a gift he wants all of us to have and to be aware of. In fact, we're going to go through some scriptures, and we're going to read how Jesus talked about the Spirit, this gift that he had given his people. And so if you believe in Jesus Christ, You are given this gift of the Spirit, and with every gift we're going to talk about this month, don't waste it. Don't take it lightly. God has come and has made his home in your life for free. For free. You know, they pay a lot of money to have like a Kardashian show up at your party. Would you pay money for a Kardashian? (laughs) <laughs> no, but they get like $100,000 for them to walk around and show up and be like, hi, I'm here. And somebody greater than a Kardashian is here. And he wants to come and live in you. And it's free. 
He doesn't charge anything. John chapter 15 is we have Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. And there were so many verses that we could have turned to. And so we just, there's, we're just picking a small subset of these verses. And we're just going to look at just a few of the things that Jesus said, but they're still so profound. John chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, it says, But when the Helper comes, the paraclete, the Helper, the Advocate, when He comes, that's talking about the Spirit of God, whom I send to you from the Father. So He's the Helper. Who needs some help? If you don't need help, again, wrong church. Because everybody in this place needs some help. But the Helper comes, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, God's truth, the Spirit of that truth comes and lives inside your heart. And it's the Spirit which proceeds from the Father. God, the Creator of the universe through Christ, sends the Spirit. Do you think He did that by happenstance or just because? Or did he do it because you, he knew this is exactly what we would need? Oh, they're going to believe in me. They're going to repent. But they're stuck down in that world. What is the exact thing that they need to make it through? The spirit of truth. The helper. The friend. The advocate. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. Who's talking? Jesus is talking. The Spirit of God will bear witness about Jesus. You want to know Jesus better? Hint, he's not on this planet right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. And unless you plan on going there tonight, the only way you can really know him is through his Spirit that he has given. A free gift. You want to know Jesus? The one who walked on water, who fed the multitudes, who healed blind eyes, who, who comforted the brokenhearted and, and was an advocate for the poor and who died on the cross. You want to know Jesus? You can. His spirit today, right now, if you believe in Christ, God is holding the gift out. It's proceeding. He's saying, here it is. And when you receive that spirit and when you allow his presence to fill your life, It bears witness of Jesus. Go back to that scripture again. It bears witness. The gift of the Spirit gives us the witness of Jesus because it bears witness about me. In verse 27, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, this scripture, this, this talk was given, it's recorded by John, it was given to the disciples who would become the apostles. And yes, they became witnesses or or proof, like in a court of law, what gets you guilty is your witnesses. If nobody, I read, a, I was talking to some cops this week. I was, cops came to the school system where I work, and they said in South Carolina, this is kind of a law that I think is dumb. If your witness refuses to cooperate, like if I go and I slap you around, and let's say you don't hurt me because you're much bigger than me, but let's, if I slap you around and you refuse to testify against me, uncooperative witness, I'm free. That's cool and terrible. I was like, what if, and the cop was like, it really frustrates me because what if the guy's dead? If I go and I kill you, 
well, then I just have the other evidence, and I'm guilty on the other evidence. But in South Carolina, witnesses are so um, prevalent. They said they had a guy on tape, on tape shooting someone and putting him in the hospital. He wouldn't cooperate. It was a gang issue. They had videotape. Nope, he's not guilty. We can't prove it. There's not enough evidence. So what I want to make the case is when you hear witness, that's one of the things, one of the ideas of many is the Holy Spirit wants to give you evidence that Christ is real. He wants to prove it to your heart. He wants to confirm it. And then verse 27, he wants to make you an evidence. He wants to empower you so that somebody might look at you and look at your life. Be like, maybe there is a God. Maybe God really does love us to bear witness. So we can put that that point on there. It says the gift of the Spirit gives us witness of Jesus. It bears witness. It gives us evidence. And then he makes us witnesses of Jesus. We're supposed to bear witness, to be the evidence. But you can't really do that without the Spirit of God. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. I don't mean to go quickly, but we're covering a lot today. Again, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit that all of us who believe can receive. It says, when the Spirit of truth comes, if you're living in error, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you're living in any kind of spirit that's not bearing witness of Jesus, it ain't the Holy Spirit. Because the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of truth that bears witness of Jesus. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. If you're taking a part of any kind of spirit or any kind of movement or any kind of anything that is not glorifying Jesus Christ and him only, it's not the Holy Spirit. might look like the Holy Spirit, but it's not. It's like when we would go to Mexico on mission trips. Usually we take about a half a day and go shopping. Now, this was 20 years ago, but we'd be down in Mexico, and we were confident because we could speak Spanish, and we'd go shopping, and, you know, you get to haggle with people back and forth, and they'd have a pair of shoes, and they'd be like, Nikes, but not Nikes. Be like, N-I-K-Y's, Nikes. It looks like a Nike. It's $2, but it's not a Nike. And if your spirit, if what you're receiving in your life is not glorifying Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit. I don't care how cool it looks. If it's not glorifying Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit. But what other things do we see that that, that the Holy Spirit will do? The end of 13, it says, He will declare to you the things that are to come. So I'm just reading the Bible. I didn't write this. But from those verses, I can very clearly pick out two points. Number one, the Spirit glorifies Jesus. And number two, the Spirit declares the things, although that should be things. That's my Hispanic accent. The things that are to come. 
He'll tell you things. But it's true. Do you need to know anything in your life? Do you need to know which job to take, what job not to take? Do you need to know, ever had a situation that's hard to figure out how to handle and need some help? How's the helper going to help you if he can't talk to you? You ever have a whole bunch of knowledge of the scripture, but yet the situation is so murky? You go to the scriptures and you go to your situation and you go to your scripture and you go to your situation and you're like, well, I see all these scriptures, but I still, it's, it's, it's so hard because he didn't write about this in this exact way and I can't find one verse that really like clarifies it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He guides you in all truth. And he shows you how you're living in 2019, almost 2020, how scriptures written thousands of years ago can still apply today. And he can show you things. Things. Help you figure them out. First, um, so, the Spirit of God is a gift. But now we're going to talk about something. It's almost like one of those, um, those dolls. Or like, are they nesting dolls? I want to say that. We're Russian nesting dolls where you open up one doll and inside there's another doll and then inside there's another doll and then inside it gets all the way down. It's like a gift within a gift within a gift. It's like inception right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. So the Spirit himself is a gift. It's God's gift to you. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul explains and he makes it clear. It says there's a variety of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. So even though the Spirit himself is a gift, he comes with gifts. He's a gift bearing gifts. And there's a lot of them. A lot of different types. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul's going to write a few chapters about spiritual gifts and love. And he's going to put them right together. He's going to start with spiritual gifts, chapter 12. He's going to talk about love, chapter 13. And he's going to go right back to spiritual gifts in chapter 14. Paul's going to spend a good time. Why? Because those are all work of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit that's a work of the Spirit. Love, that's a work of the Spirit. You can't love without the Spirit of God. That's a fruit of the Spirit. You, you can't do that. And then he goes back to gifts. But we're talking about gifts because that's kind of what this theme is. And, and so we read there, there's all kinds of gifts, but they come from the Spirit. But verse 7, I love, it says, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The point I would make is the gift of the Spirit comes with spiritual gifts for the common good. It is good for us, listen, listen clearly, it is good for us, for you, to do what God has called you to do. It is good for us, for you, to be who God has called you to be. Variety of gifts, it's not going to look the same. Varieties of activities, we're not going to move the same but it's the same spirit, and it's for the common good. So whatever gifts the Holy Spirit brings out, because it says a manifestation is given to each. Didn't we just read that? Each of us. 
a realization, a manifestation, God's Spirit has come for each of us, for all of us. It's for the common good. And so rather than spend time talking about all of the spiritual gifts, we're going to talk about one of the spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, remember, 12 spiritual gifts, 13 is love, and 14 right back to spiritual gifts. Here's the transition verse. It says, he says, pursue love. He just finished talking about love. So he said, keep loving people. Keep trying to love. And I know they're hard to love, and, but, but work at it. Love them. Pursue love. And earnestly desire spiritual gifts. If you do not desire spiritual gifts in your life, you are in violation of 1 Corinthians 14.1. Or let's th- throw the whole thing out and not have to love people. That'd be pretty easy too. But we can't pick and choose. So if we're going to say God wants us to love people, and we, we got to say the rest of it. Desire spiritual gifts. And then he says, especially that you may prophesy. I didn't write it. There are a lot of gifts. This is a point I want to make. There are a lot of gifts but, we should, but what we should want the most is prophecy. We should want prophecy the most. That's what the scripture says. Now, do me a favor. Get Nostradamus out of your head. Get anything that you've seen that you don't understand that you call prophecy out of your head. Do a search of the scriptures, because 1 Corinthians 14.1 says so. And figure out what prophecy is, not what you've seen it to be. Not Nostradamus, not some weird, strange thing, but something that is good for you and good for us. That you may prophesy. I've known for about six weeks I was going to talk about prophecy. I've known for about six weeks. I know kind of what I'm going to talk about. I don't have it all figured out, but I kind of know generally. I knew today I was going to be talking about prophecy. And I just want to tell you how cool God is because, you know, had a busy week working. Anybody else have to go to work this week? How many had a lot of time to plan a sermon? You? So um, knew I was going to talk about it, had my scriptures, kind of figured it out. Friday afternoon, I'm getting ready to leave. Now, have you ever been really ready to leave on a Friday? Like your office is all packed up and clean, and you're just watching the clock. You got a few things to do, but you're like, I'm getting out of here. I'm not spending a minute more than I need to spend. Like when it clicks, you're gone type of Friday. Anybody ever had a Friday like that? Well, I was ready to leave, but God wasn't. This guy walked into my office, and he began to speak the word of the Lord to me. Now, I was watching the clock. But I was listening, too. And I'll tell you what exactly what he came up to. I knew I was going to talk about prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is something that glorifies Jesus. That glorifies Jesus. And it's a, it's a way to, to guide you into all truth. Like the Spirit of God guides us into all truth, and prophecy is one of those. He comes in and he says, can I just share something for you, brother? And I'm like, yep, but you got five minutes. 
he says, uh, you know, if, for those of you who don't know, I've had back surgery in about 18 months of just a great time, um, just real, feeling real great. And he starts sharing with me. He goes, first thing he says was, you know, God is going to heal your back. I want you to know that. I really feel God saying God is going to heal your back. As you seek him, God will continue to heal your back. I was like, amen, four minutes. <laughs> and then he was like, you know, God is, um, you know, a lot of things. And all, the other thing he said is a lot of the things that you've been praying about, God is working on your behalf. Amen, I received that. Three minutes. No. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. And then um, and he said, then your wife. I'm like, what do you know about my wife? You never met her. Creeping on Facebook or something. And then, But I listen. He goes, your wife. He goes, I don't know what it is, but I feel like your wife is, is going through some changes, and God is shaping something new in her, but she's going to be all right. That God has more for her, and that he's putting her through some pressure, but he's, she's going to be all right. I was like, amen. Goodbye, we're leaving. I'm leaving. You can stay here, but I'm going. But I, I received it. And we, it was a little bit longer than that. There was a little bit more to it. But my wife had just started school. If you have five kids and you go back to school, it's not easy. And a husband like me, it's a lot going on in her life. So I bore witness about that. I had felt for a long time that part of my healing, nobody's ever, I've never shared this with anybody. But I felt part of my healing is, is as I press into the Lord and as I seek his face, I felt like that was part of what was bringing me healing. And so I've, that's something that God has kind of put on my heart for a while. And I believe God answers prayers. It was simple. Three things that were simple. They glorified Jesus. He didn't take an offering. He didn't ask for any money. And he asked for permission. But it was edification. It brought me encouragement. It brought me, hey, that's cool. Now, he could have said it a hundred different ways. He could have, he shared it more officially. But he could have shared it a hundred different ways. But it was still, it was encouraging. It pointed me to Christ. It left me encouraged that God had not forgotten about me. And then as I was driving this morning, I was like, hey, that's a really good example. Thank you, Lord. Because that's what I'm talking about, is that you would be close enough to Christ that God might talk to you. Either Now, now you can think about this. There's two ways to think about this. One, the God who created heavens and earth by his word created everything. And when he went to save mankind, sent his word to become flesh, that God has either become mute and got laryngitis and doesn't speak anymore, or that God still speaks. You tell me what makes more logical sense. The God who created everything by his word and redeemed it by his word now has his children here and his word is just absent, just cold, locked up in a book. It's alive, and it's fresh. But Paul gives us some good boundaries in chapter 14, and so I want to go through them. Chapter 14, um, verse 29 through 33. 
Paul's giving some boundaries. He says, I want you guys to prophesy, but let's just look at some of this stuff here. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh in on what is said. First part is awesome. All about time constraints. We don't got to be here all day. Once God has spoken, enjoy that word at home. Amen? (laughs) Prophecy does not have to be long. Let, Let two or three. If you're number four, hold it. Be quiet. Let two or three speak and let the others weigh in on what is said. That may not look like what you've thought prophecy looks like. That may not look like some guy standing up and saying, thus says the Lord, and like he knows everything in the world, and like he can pinpoint everything about you. That's, that's, that's weird. Let the others weigh in on what is said. If there's a revelation made to another sitting there, let the first person shut up. Oh, I'm sorry, be silent. That was, he says, be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one and all learn that all may be encouraged. We had a meeting with some gentlemen this morning. One of them said something very powerful. He didn't stand up and said, I'm prophesying unto thee. But it was life from God's spirit that bubbled up. And when it came forward, I recognized the voice of my God as he pointed back to Scripture. And the scripture was, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. But it's just like when it came out of his mouth, another guy jumped in and was like, yeah, that's true. That's real. We got to remember God's grace is sufficient, that we don't have to beat ourselves up. And that word that was written in the scripture became life at that moment. Two or three speak, and the other ones can weigh in on what is said. And then when one talks, you know, be silent. Some kind of rules of politeness. For you can all prophesy one by one, or you can all speak out of the overflow of God's Spirit. Hear what I'm saying, not what you think I'm saying. Speak out of the overflow of the presence of God in your life. If you have a problem with that, you don't, he didn't hear what I said. That you would press into Christ so much that his presence would fill your life and you would speak out of that overflow. And that same presence that's in me and in my wife and in whoever else, that it would begin to pour out of each other. That you would speak words of life to me and you to him and me to you and that it would come out because we're all overflowing with the presence of God. For you can all prophesy and all learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. If anybody says they need to prophesy and do something weird, that's just because they want to. 100%. If they're weird, they're choosing to be weird. Their choice. If they say, I can't hold this in, wrong. Be silent. They're subject to the prophets. God made it that way. For God is not a God of confusion, but God of peace. So there's this idea of judging, about weighing what is said, about not taking every little thing somebody says and putting it up there on the same pedestal as Scripture, but of still having your voice turned to hear that if perhaps God might be speaking something fresh to you at that moment. 
That should always align with Scripture, but never be above Scripture. It should just point you back to Jesus, back to the Word in encouragement that you might learn and understand different. And in my opinion, if Paul is saying, let two or three speak and let the other weigh what is said, it's probably because some people don't get it right. Why are you weighing? Feeling a little light here, buddy. Think you need to move down to verse 30 and be silent. Feeling a little light. It's not weighing up. You're not glorifying Christ. You're not, I don't know about that. And you got to call each other out on that too. I'm just going to be honest. I come from a very, a background where this was, like this was it. Me and my wife, and I'll tell this story because it's real. We were in church one day, and I believe that God can speak in very powerful and precise ways. No problem about it. But yet I weigh everything that's given to me because the Bible told me to. This guy comes up and says, hey, my Emmerich was pregnant with Jason. Hey, is your wife pregnant? I wanted to say no, but, you know, it make him feel bad. But I was like, yeah, she's pregnant. God has great things for your son, this, that, and the third. And I was like, all right, cool. Thank you. I received that. I want God to have good things for my son. Amen. But then he said, and you know what? You should name him Joshua. And I looked at him and I said, no. Now I'm a pastor at this church. And in front of the whole crowd, I just told this guy, No. Stay in your lane. You want to have this conversation, we can have this conversation, but we had talked about it, we had prayed about it. Like we had a name, we were good. We'll receive the blessing, but back off, buddy. Man is speaking in the middle of his message. He went back three times. You change your mind yet? No. Because I ain't gonna be quiet. No, I didn't. Stop. And then finally, just to mess with him, I pulled up the Greek, and I was like, well, I want you to know that the Hebrew name Joshua, Yeshua, is translated into Greek in two ways. The way it comes over most of the time is as um, Jesus. Yahshua translates as Jesus. But sometimes, some Greek people have translated over as Jason. So there's a little bit of tie-in between the name we've already chosen and what you're saying and I believe the good things that you said, but I weighed his word. You got to have that. We got to be willing to do that. Or else you'll never be able to get to those moments when you can sit with a group of guys or ladies and hear somebody speak. And you can recognize I weigh that out. That feels right. That's thick with the presence of God. That short statement, that, that's what I needed. That pointed me back to Christ. It pointed me back to his word. I was in complete alignment, and I heard it because they were speaking out of the overflow of what God was doing in their life. So two points that we can pick out from there is, um, number one, prophecy is to be judged. I'm summarizing everything I just said into these two statements. If you want to argue them, let's look at the scripture together. 
prophecy is to be judged. It was to be weighed. And it's a group activity. In other words, we should all be people that are so close to Christ that we all speak from the overflow of God's presence. And that is one of the gifts given by the gift of the Holy Spirit that God, the Father on the throne, has given those who believe. He has given you the ability to hear his voice. He has given you the ability to know him. Line it up with scripture, yes. Do it in community, please. Or else you start thinking you're Elijah and running out there thinking you're going to do all kinds of... No, chill, buddy. You're not Elijah. Church history. That's my major. That's what I studied. Pretty much you can bet anytime anybody calls themselves Elijah, they're done. Throughout 2,000 years, the second somebody stands up and says, hey, I'm Elijah, just walk away. It gets scary. Even John the Baptist, who was the Elijah was to come, didn't even call himself that. There's something in humility. But we're going to close now, and I'm going to end. If you would just close your eyes just for a second, just, just think about the Lord. And I feel like this, this is the same thing that dropped into my spirit. I feel like it would be for today, and we, we were talking this morning, and it dropped into my spirit so strongly, and I weigh it out, judge it, but it's that scripture where Paul talks about, he says, my God, Christ told him that his grace was sufficient for thee, that his power was made perfect in weakness, and I do want you to walk in the spirit of God and with the power of God and But that starts with and it ends with acknowledging our weakness, acknowledging our brokenness, acknowledging that we can't do it alone and we are 100% dependent on Jesus Christ. And I just felt challenged to encourage you. If you don't think you're good enough to receive the Spirit, that's okay. It's a gift. If you don't even know where to start, that's okay. It's a gift. And just humbly tell God, I don't know what to do with this word. I don't know how this should look in my life. I don't know how to be full of your presence. But I just wanted to challenge you as you sit there in the church today. If you're feeling weak, that's a good place to be. Because God's presence can be there. It says, his power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus' weakest moment was when he breathed his last breath. And he was so weak, he stopped living. But it was at that moment that God displayed his greatest glory. And he rose him from the dead. With every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anybody feeling weak? You just put your hand up. I'd like to pray for you. That's a good place to be. There's not, that's, that's the place to be. If you're not feeling weak, that would should be scary. God, you see every hand up. Mine is up too. Please strengthen us, empower us, and allow Christ to live in us. Allow us to point people to Jesus so they might see the fact that it was on the cross you died and bled for sin. 
and that you have risen again so that we don't have to die. We can live because you're alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to have some prayer teams up here in the front. I'm going to invite them to come up now. Um, we are going to be um, closing right now, so we are, we are done. We have a great time next weekend. I encourage you to come out. We're going to have a great hangout, and um, we're going to do something that we've never done before next weekend. And we, we may never do again, but you definitely don't want to miss at least the first time and maybe only time we do it. So we want you to, to know that um, you can come out for that. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>